episode 65 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, a Seattle Mariners emergency podcast. I'm your host, Anders Jorstad, joined alongside my co-host, Mikey Ahedo. And Mikey, we, you know, I think we jinxed ourselves, doomed ourselves, whatever you want to say uh, in the last episode when we said, you know, oh, we'll, we'll record every couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, if something happens, we'll talk about it. And the Mariners did, in fact, make something happen. So... Um, let's talk about it. The Mariners made a pretty exciting trade and rarely actually rumored before the Mariners made the deal. Last night, there was some chatter that the Mariners were in on Teoscar Hernandez, which is, you know, another freezing cold take by me because I think I said on the last podcast, when was last time we heard a Mariners trade rumored before it happened? And here we have another one. Um, but the Mariners did acquire the outfielder Teoscar Hernandez. They gave up Eric Swanson and left-handed minor league uh, pitcher Adam Machko, who we also talked about on the last show. Um, when the trade came down, a lot of people were thought the return to Toronto was very light, but I've seen people kind of, you know, coming around on it for the Toronto side uh, in the time that has passed since. What did you initially think of this trade, and has your opinion on it changed at all since then? <clears throat> well... I thought we were going to give up Chris Flexen at first uh, based on fucking, <laughs> is it Morosi? John Morosi? Morosi? Yeah. yeah. Um, Morosi, yeah. Like Jim. Uh, so that was a disappointment. Uh, that would have been pretty rad. But, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I was disappointed initially just like in terms of like non-analytical thinking, just vibes. Because uh, I love Eric Swanson and always have since we got him. Um, I was pretty intrigued that we gave up Matchco. Um, I think he's probably, I don't know, like, <clears throat> I know, so uh, SD Rivera did a write-up at Fangraphs, um, quoted Longenhagen, who he had talked to and, and said he's got kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing where like sometimes he pitches backwards. So he, he throws the, the, the lowish 70s curveball, the gyro slider a lot, <clears throat> both of which are pretty good. I think the curveball's probably got the better shape. Um, <clears throat> and then he's got the flat fastball. Um, but it seems like he's super inconsistent. I don't think he's a starter. I think no. I think if, if you can get an all-star outfielder for, I, I think a very good reliever, and you know someone who's pitching in what double A. Uh, not even he finished the season in Everett. Like, fuck yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> um, for, yeah, like you said in the last show, those guys don't even exist. So I have actually. Let me check my my DMs. I have heard some really fucking wild. Um, I think uh, wild good. Yeah, things about Matchco. Um, uh, metrically, so that's the thing. Um, let's see. Well, he would, I know, uh, you know, on, on a bio side of things, he would be the first Slovakian-born baseball player since, like, the 60s or something. So that's, you know, he's got that going for him. That's pretty cool. You always have the, the nice, uh, <laughs> the nice, um, 
fun facts. Um, well, my uh, my grandfather was born in a small town adjacent to the Slovakian border, so I think I can claim some sort of kinship <laughs> there. Uh, I've got a comp for the curveball, um, and I don't know what the comp for the fastball means, but I also have a comp there. Are you ready? Sure. <clears throat> the comp for the curveball is Rich Hill. That's a really fucking wow. good curveball. Okay. Yeah. Um, the fastball is Jeffrey Springs, which is like, uh, sounds like a raised pitcher. He's pretty good too. Yes. Is he? He was, yes, he was, uh, he was one of those, play- he was one of the players in the race who wouldn't wear the LGBTQ patch. That's like the only thing <laughs> I remember him for. Yikes. Um, so <clears throat> I'll plug that into, uh, or I'll, I'll go look at the pitch leaderboard. I think that means he has a fastball, a really flat fastball with lots of uh, run, which is a, a, a really good type of, I mean, that's like Paul Seawald, you know. Um, so I'll plug that in, see what the vertical approach angle is. Um, so at least metrically, uh, it seems like, you know, he runs kind of hot and cold, but that's a, that's a, that's a really interesting player. Jeffrey Springs is like, I don't know what, if he elevates a lot, but like a four and a half vertical approach angle. So it's not like he's not a freak. Um, but he does throw from a pretty low release with pretty good, uh, induced vertical break. So I think match is probably going to be pretty good. Um, but well, he's probably going to have to be a bullpen (laughs) pitcher partially because, his walk per nine last year in Everett was 4.7, which was a full walk better than in 2021 in Modesto. Mm. Um, so I do not think that's going to cut it. He also has had a lot of injury problems. He only had eight starts this last year, and I don't think he's ever reached double-digit starts yet as a professional. Um, he had 38 innings. Mm. Um, but as you're mentioning, you know, the stuff is super good. 14K per nine. Like, yeah, you know, there's... There's so many players like that, and I think the Mariners have kind of struggled to turn those guys into elite game-changing starters. You know, I think the brash thing is still a TBD on that front, Mm. obviously, because they're going to try him as a starter again. But this is turning a... You know, they they have developed him to an extent because they drafted him as like a 17-year-old, I think, out of high school. So they have developed him to this point, and they definitely developed Swanson. They turned him from like a, you know... a up and down quad a boring starter guy into an elite shutdown reliever. So the Mariners no doubt turned an organizational strength um, into what could be a very big impact bat in the lineup for Seattle. So one of the main reasons I know people are, you know, maybe down on this trade from the Seattle perspective is this is a rental. Teoscar Hernandez is a free agent at the end of 2023. And also the Mariners are taking on significant salary compared to what they gave up. Um, He'll be in his final year of arbitration. He's projected for around 13 million or sorry, $14 million. So that is like a $12 million upgrade from, you know, whatever Swanson is likely to get. So, you know, I'm sure DePoto and Hollander will use this as an excuse for potentially not spending because they'll say, well, we did take on 12 million extra dollars with Teoscar Hernandez. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they extend him, uh, but even if they don't, they could still tack on a QO to him next year if he has another good season and potentially get something out of it. So, you know, they did pay a rental price for a rental player, but um, 
yeah, I'm excited about the return um, for the Mariners. I know that, you know, we, we do miss Swanson and I know you had some, some good things to say about him, but um, I think Toronto needs him more than, than we do at this point, especially because we can pump out bullpen pitchers. Like it's no problem. I do. So, uh, yeah. So yeah. last thing I'll say about match goes, apparently he throws a legit like sweeper, um, which take that for what you will. And maybe that's why it's so like Jekyll and Hyde, you know, um, I think that phrase is so dumb. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, I don't know how much time we want to spend on Eric Swanson. I'm going to write something up tonight after we're done. But <clears throat> oh yeah, very famously not used, you know, in the playoffs until the last <laughs> game in extra innings. Um, right. On the season, only ranked sixth in the bullpen in pitch leverage index behind Diego Castillo, which is like, okay, that's whatever. And if you want to count him, Drew Steckenrider, which is at least 10 innings, like take that for what you will. And barely more than like Sergio Romo, which like all of these guys, I forgot that they even were a thing. Um, <laughs> I forgot Romo was a thing this year. Right. And then if you want to look at like pitch leverage index when they enter the game, which is probably a better thing to look at. Um, he's fifth. So hmm. I kind of tend to think that even though they pitched him in some spots that the Mariners didn't particularly trust him. And we really saw that in the playoffs. Um, there were a lot of spots. Well, I heard some know. theories. I heard some theories that it was because of Cal's thumb. And I guess because of uh, Swanson's repertoire, they thought that would potentially do more damage than mm. some other pitchers would to, to his injury. That's interesting. I, I could see that it's, I mean, it's not really high heat, but the splitty, I could right. see. Um, so I don't know, but <clears throat> I tend to think that the Blue Jays are getting a diminished Eric Swanson. That's based on, you know, what uh, what I, I was looking at earlier. So take that for what you will. Do you want to talk about Teoscar a little bit before we dive into some questions that we have? Let's. All right. So Teoscar Hernandez, uh, you may remember him specifically from clubbing two home runs in the Mariners' triumphant comeback win against Toronto in uh, Game Two of the Wild Card Series. Um, but he he is that player, like he is a fucking slugger. Like that's what he does. He hits a lot of homers, um, and that's what the Mariners seemingly needed. I mean, we saw that later on in the postseason that the Mariners just like, especially in that extra innings game, it, it was very evident how. You know, the Mariners just needed more big bats. And, you know, Jared Apoto loves to use the word length in the lineup, but this trade certainly does accomplish that. Here's some um, fun stat cast numbers for Teoscar last season. 96th percentile in exit velocity, 94th in max exit below, 98th in, percent in hard hit percentile, or sorry, hard hit rate, 86th in ex-woba 78th in xba 95th in x-slugging 94th in barrel he's up there and everything you know all the things that you want to see from a hitter he does really really freaking well um i've seen people bandy around all sorts of slugging percentage um statistics for him saying you know he's top five top ten and you know every list that you can put on when you stretch out you know in the last three years in the last four years 
Um, this guy is as consistent as it gets. And this is, you know, in that way, very reminiscent of the Eugenio Suarez uh, acquisition. But I think the only difference is that Teoscar did have a good last season. So the Mariners are not banking on a miracle bounce back. This is a guy who has been this player very consistently his whole career. He has not yet had, knock on wood, a really poor offensive season. Um, last year, his WRC plus was just about in line with his career of 120. He had 129 last year, which would have been third best on the Mariners uh, behind just uh, Julio and Eugenio. Um, so that makes a pretty good, you know, top three hitters in the order. I mean, you know, best three hitters in the order, I should say, going into 2023. Um, and if they bring back Hanniger, which I know we'll talk about a little bit later, I think that really, really makes that outfield um sparkle a little extra the one drawback and people are kind of likening this acquisition to jesse winker for this reason is that he doesn't feel very well but it's a big difference from the winker side of things winker's outs above average last year was minus 10 teoscar's was merely minus five so he is literally half as bad in the outfield as winker so that means he is playable the mariners will no doubt make him play the outfield most of the time i think Personally, I would rather see him in left field, but it sounds like, you know, based on if they don't sign Hanniger, especially if they keep Winker or if they, you know, want JK to play in the outfield, then I think Teoscar probably has to play right, which may not be as fun for us. But like I said, it's not nearly as bad as it could be. Um, One of the other downsides, um, in addition to, you know, obviously the short contract we mentioned before is the fact that his plate discipline is not very good. Um, his career walk rate is just 7.4%, and his career K rate is a, around 30%. So this is you know not at all Winker in that regard, because Winker, even if he's not hitting, can still draw a walk, doesn't strike out all that much. So that's kind of the player the Mariners are getting. They're getting a guy who will fit into the middle of the order. He's going to hit 25 to 30 homers, most likely. Um, his batting average last year was, I think, in around the 260 range, which was low for him but he's going to hit and that's what the Mariners need. Um, The question to me at this point remains, will they extend his contract kind of like they did with Luis Castillo or are they going to let him play the year out and see how things go from there? I could see a scenario where they sign him to an extension like late in the summer if things are going well. I don't know if they're going to do it now because that would limit a lot of their options for the rest of the winter. But what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it, I mean, <clears throat> from a team perspective, speaking as a fucking, you know, whatever, um, I don't think it might, <laughs> you know, makes much sense. Um, I think, you know, if you let him walk next year or, you know, you let him test for agency, you either get him back and like that's the extension or you get a pick. He gets well, assuming he has a good year this year and is worthy of a qualifying offer, which I mean, you know, based on his last like half decade, you know, I, I tend to think he right. will. <laughs> um, it's so I tend to think he is a Hanager replacement as of right now. Um, That's what I'm thinking, too. They at least, you know, in this past year, kind of similar hitters. Um, something that stands out about Hernandez is that I think he was it fifth three four five okay he's top 10 in dynamic hard hit percentage hard hit percentage i don't love because if you hit a ball hard straight up in the air that counts as a hard hit you know ball which is very hard to do and it means that 
you can hit the fuck out of the ball, but it doesn't, it's not a good result. Whereas dynamically, you know, hard hit balls are, um, he's top 10%. He hits, uh, in terms of exit velocity on five balls is top five. Um, I think one thing about him that makes him a good fit in Seattle is looking at his blast percentage, which is basically like on home runs, what percentage of them are hit? Like, I don't remember what the criteria is, but like really hard. Um, he, he grades out pretty well. Um, this is, I don't know, probably top 25, um, just short of like Acuna, Pete Alonso, Suarez, um, uh, just short of Soto and like just ahead of like Rowdy Tellez and like Luke Voigt. So I think that's really important when you consider, <clears throat> you know, he's going to strike out a lot and he's going to put a lot of balls into play. Um, those ball, it really matters what happens with those balls. And you need, when you're playing in Seattle, when you have, you know, the, the heavy Marine wear, it's just, it's such a, it's, it's so trite. Um, you need guys who can hit the ball really hard. And so I think that he should continue to, to be really good. Um, yeah. Question marks about fielding, but that's, that's kind of what I look at. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about when I think about him. I don't remember if I was, um, if there was a question <laughs> I answered it or not, but. That that is that. Well, do you want to dive into some questions that we have been asked in Discord? Let's do it. All right. We had a good number of questions for this. I think, you know, people obviously excited about the Mariners making a a big acquisition. So uh, let's dive into some of the implications. Uh, Clay wants to know, there are some reports the team is looking to upgrade left field, but assuming it doesn't come to pass, do you think at least one of Kelnick, Trammell, Lewis, Haggerty, or Winker can be a decent everyday starter in left, or perhaps can there be a passable platoon split among those players? Is that for me? Go for it. Okay. I have some Hello Panda in my mouth, but um, (laughs) if I were a betting man, and I'm not, at least online, because I live in Washington State. Um, I would not bet on Kelnick, Jamel, Lewis, Haggerty, or Winker, because, well, for one, that'd be a very bad bet, depending on what the bet is. I think Winker's gone. I kind of think that Lewis and Hanniger can't coexist on the same roster. Um... I mean, Tramel like looked pretty good for a second, but it was really home run reliant, and he didn't finish the year looking good. I mean, it was one game, but Kelnick batted like ten times, (laughs) 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 and he didn't do anything. Like, didn't look even competent. And then Haggerty, the Astros game, yeah, the last game of the season, and then Haggerty, you know, is um a fun if not mediocre you know uh, utility player he just had by far the best season of his career right and like that like like he's never gonna he's never gonna be be as good as that again 
If he does, I will literally eat a crow. Like a crow. Like not crow. I will eat a crow <laughs> if he Yeah. Um so passable platoon, maybe. Um I just I think the idea <sighs> there would be like Winker and Lewis. That would be a potential platoon that could work. Yeah, I don't I I would I would not bet like if you're not making other upgrades, which you know Teoscar Hernandez is, I wouldn't bet on Winker to bounce back. I do think he will, but I I wouldn't, especially because he can't field. And Lewis has like rubber knees, so uh, I I think I think I think Jerry's right. I think they're going to add two you know two outfielders, and I think it's going to be a pretty good one that makes this kind of a non-issue and. Seems like most of these guys will be on the outside looking in. Yeah, my short answer to this question is that if this is, you know, the, if that is the Mariners crew in left field, something has gone terribly wrong this <laughs> yeah. winter. Uh, they have to add at yeah. least something else to that mix that that is moderately interesting, right? Like even yeah. if that's getting some glove first guy who can bat, you know, decently. John Does Jay. Does have to be like an impact player. Yeah. Manuel Margot. <laughs> let's you know, let's like, sign John Jay from know. the, who, who's, um, I think the Marlins coaching staff now. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally off topic, but I just saw that the Rangers hired Will Venable as associate manager. And I'm just like, what the fuck what is that? What's an associate manager? manager? <laughs> <laughs> That's literally like a, a, the office. Like, yes. <laughs> Jeez. Well, all right. Anyway. Our good friend Connor wants to know if we think Isaiah Campbell has a shot at bringing camp out of the bullpen. I would say it is certainly more likely now after this trade that that happens. Uh, Isaiah Campbell is a filthy reliever. He just transitioned to the bullpen last year, um, was really good in high A Everett. They pushed him up to double A Arkansas. And in 14 games, he struck out 16 and a half batters per nine and walked just one batter per nine. Um, the Mariners putting him on the 40 man, I think is a pretty clear signal that they intend to, you know, have him up this year because you'd never do that with a relief prospect if they're more than a year out. Right. Like the Mariners did that because they thought if we don't do this, someone else will turn him into a useful reliever next year. So I think that it's pretty clear the Mariners envision him being with the team next year, um, out of the bullpen. I don't know if that means, they think he's going to break camp, but maybe he comes up in the middle of the summer and is really excellent down the stretch. I can see him being one of those, you know, two or three pop-up bullpen pieces that they seem to pull out of thin air every single season. I think he's definitely a, a top candidate for that role. Yeah, I wish I wish I knew where his, his velo was, but um, I mean, it is double A, but I think the numbers kind of speak for themselves. Um, not a starter obviously, but uh, yeah, I mean, I tend to think so. Um, and I think that's why you move guys like Eric Swanson's because you have these guys coming. So um, I think uh, I think definitely a shot at, at breaking camp and I think probably makes, you know, is, is up at some point in 2023. Yeah, I mean, the reason you move Eric Swanson's is because you need to make room for these pop-up pitchers the Mariners keep getting, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I know I hate to say it, but if Casey Sadler went down, like would we have gotten Penn Murphy? Um, mm-hmm. Would we have gotten Matt Festa? You know, there's you know you need to clear space, whether intentional or you know th- 
through injury mm-hmm. um, for these guys to to emerge as potential trade pieces down the road yeah. or just good good pieces now. Um, B says four spots of the rotation are locked up. If whoever the number five guy is ends up performing well enough to keep the spot without question, what do you think it will mean for the time for the timetable and handling of starting pitching prospects like Emerson Hancock, for instance? I'm very intrigued by this question specifically because the Mariners are in on Kodai Senga. And I don't know if they're in on Kodai Senga because they're just like, we think this pitcher specifically is super special and we just don't want to pass up an opportunity opportunity to, you know, be in on this market. Or if it's, we see an opportunity where if we sign another good starter, then we can really take advantage of this pitching surplus. Um, I think whether the Mariners acquire number, another guy or not, you know, with regards to the timetable and development of Han- or of Hancock, I think that the Mariners are in a good position where they don't need to rush him or anybody else like him. They can kind of let those guys pitch their way onto the big league staff. And right now, even without adding another player, we've already talked about how competitive that number five spot is likely to be between, you know, Hancock, Dollard, Bryce Miller, Prelander Baroa, and Marco and Flexen still coming back at this moment. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very happy with how the staff is. If they go out and they sign someone like Senga or another player, I will just be over the moon. And I, it'll, it'll maybe, maybe be the first time that I'm not worried about, you know, what happens if X player succumbs to injury because there will be, many pitchers to back them up. Now, if I was a betting man, I would say it is more likely the Mariners will be without a starter from the current roster than to have added one that is not on the roster, if that makes any sense. I think it's more likely that they decrease their number of big league experience starters than um, adding another one. For all of the shit that I talk about Marco Gonzalez, I mean, he just threw 183 innings of 4.13 ERA ball, which is like, actually sounds pretty good, but I, I think based on the, the current context is a little below average. Uh, that's fine for a number five. Um, you know, I, I think I think especially, I mean, the concerns about injuries and 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 workload are getting less dire over time. Um, I mean, you do still have Gilbert, you do still have Kirby, who aren't quite, you know, to where they're going to be in like a year or two. I will say, I'm I'm not I'm not particularly worried about, um, you know, I don't think that there's any like Steven Strasburg that's that's waiting in the wings that you want to get in. You know, get in there or like Logan Gilbert or George Kirby, even or at least like 2020 and later George Kirby. Um, so, you know, I think, I think they'll, they'll kind of bring them along as, as projected and, and they'll make the, the major leagues when, you know, it's, it's necessary, maybe a little later. Um, I think it might just mean that the role is shifted. And again, I say this all the time, but that's, you know, good teams have, those guys waiting that can help out when if any if it's any of the five you know marco goes down (laughs) um so there aren't that many um there aren't that many starting pitch uh uh, prospects that that i'm like thrilled about 
starting pitching prospects. Um, it's basically Brian Wu and Bryce Miller. Bryce Miller pitched at highest, you know, in, in high A ball. Brian Wu, not even. Um, uh, Miller got 10 games in double A. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that, actually. Um, so, you know, I, I actually think Bryce Miller is is probably the guy that I'm most excited about. But I would not hate kind of babying him and um, bringing him up and, and throwing him in the bullpen and giving him some spot starts or whatever. Um, so long story short, um, you kind of like you kind of just take them along slow, I think. And, and it doesn't really it doesn't really matter if you have five guys who can start, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think the shine on Hancock has worn significantly, um, you know, but for injury, obviously, also his stuff just wasn't super impressive last year um, compared to what we had seen from him out of college and as a, a younger prospect in the system. Obviously, there's still plenty of time for him to regain that shine um, at the higher levels of the minors and, you know, with the Mariners, there's very few systems that you would trust to develop him and get him to reach that ceiling. Um, I'm still interested in him, but like you mentioned, I'm more interested in certainly a guy like Bryce Miller, who I'd be shocked if he didn't pitch some games for Seattle in 2023, assuming that he's still within the organization. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Azrael wants to know, what are the odd Seattle signs Kodai Senga and or Masataka Yoshida? I... I think that Senga's market is going to be super hot, partially because he is he is a, you know, without bars international free agent. He doesn't have to worry about the posting system. So it'll be an actual bidding war. And I think there are teams that need starting pitching and have fuck tons of money to spend <laughs> that are going to go in on him, specifically thinking of the Mets. Like, I do not see the Mariners outbidding the Mets for his services. Um, both on a level of need and a level of budget. Um, I, you know, the Mariners are not going to spend a lot of money. We, we don't like to think about that, but we know it's true. And I don't think that that's how they're going to allocate their budget is outbidding the Mets for Senga. Um, but I would be thrilled if they got him. Um, and when it comes to Yoshida, I think that's definitely more likely, um, specifically because of the posting system, the way the posting system works. Um, I think there's going to be a number of teams that put max bids on him. Um, but I don't know where he, how he feels with the Mariners among those squads. And another thing about Yoshida that we need to note is that his defense is also very poor. <laughs> He's <laughs> There's a lot of similarities between him and, you know, the Teoscars and Winkers of the world in that he should really not be playing much outfield. In fact, he played more DH last year in Japan than he played in the outfield. So... I don't really know if there's a fit for him knowing that information. I think the Mariners need someone who can really field, especially if they keep Winker. They need someone who can field alongside Julio, and they can't take another liability in the outfield. Unless they want to take the, you know, Phillies approach of fuck it, you know, let's just <laughs> slug the shit out of the ball and hope nobody hits it into the outfield. Um, but what do you think about those two players, Mikey? It God, I just I I long <laughs> long for for a year when especially when you have julio rodriguez in center field that you have competent fielding 
in all three positions and competent hitting too. And that's not exactly like with Teoscar Hernandez, like that's already kind of called into question. Like Julio can, I think, make up for some of that, but it's not ideal. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, this trade, this trade really crushed your Nemo dreams. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think I, I trust the Mariners ability to, to make, you know, good decisions. Um, so if they think that, you know, the bat outweighs the maybe questionable defense and I, I actually don't super know but i mean playing dh in japan isn't isn't ideal um so you know if they like him i think i think that there's probably a reason and and I, i've said before i don't i don't know about their ability to develop and sometimes identify hitters um i mean yeah i think i think maybe i'm um my expectations are too high, maybe based on our pitching development, but um, I think Senga is not going to happen too. I think the odds are, even though that they, for whatever reason are like seen as the favorites, I think uh, are, are, are they, I think so. Oh, that's news to me. I don't know. I've been hearing a lot of Mets chatter. So that's, you know, I also follow a lot of Mets fans, so it's hard to know. Uh, I see so many, SNY tweets out there. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I, I might be. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's less likely. I think just because Yoshida's skill set is not one that's you know highly highly sought after. Um, it's more realistic. But I don't know. I I I I hope. I kind of hope that they have some other flexibility if that is the move. So not likely and somewhat likely. <laughs> I do I do wonder about Yoshida if he wasn't just Teoscar fallback option, you know, because mm. the Mariners showing interest in him could have been yeah. they were doing their due diligence, not knowing whether they were going to get Teoscar or a player like Teoscar. Um, so I they they seem to be similar players, and I wonder if that was just kind of what they were doing there. Um, and to that extent, you know, maybe Nimmo is still within the picture because Nimmo is very much a different kind of player. Um, so if the Mariners were interested in Nimmo, I don't necessarily know if acquiring Teoscar precludes them from going after Nimmo, but it may on the budget front, especially if they want to address the middle infield um, through a signing. So I'm curious if that's in the cards still, but I, we, we said, I think, you know, last podcast that we thought they had a big signing in them or like a semi big signing in them and a big trade in them. And they've done the big trade and they did the big trade in the outfield. I was kind of wondering if it wasn't going to be the other way around where they sign an outfielder trade for an infielder. Um, they could obviously still trade for an infielder too. Maybe they won't make a big signing, but this to me makes it seem like signing one of the big four infielders becomes more likely because they didn't splurge all their budget on outfield. They but. probably just won't. <laughs> I, honestly, you're right. You're, I think you're right. Unfortunately, <sighs> especially especially if they're going to go hard after Otani next year. And another point to that, you know, that's been my long conspiracy is that everything that Jerry has done is lining up to make a big, you know, Otani mm-hmm. 
run. This did not change that because they didn't add any uh, any money onto the books for 2024 with this trade. So yeah. I feel like it's all coming together. <laughs> uh, we got one more question. This one's from Ian. Uh, just had a random thought. I am concerned with Teoscar long-term, but how does his profile compare to Nelly Cruz at younger ages? Um, this is, you know, being very snarky about this, but Teoscar is only 30. Nelson Cruz was still a baby at 30 years old. He hadn't hmm. done shit yet in the majors. Um, but I think, you know, I think the essence of the question is compared to where, you know, Nelly was, I guess, when the Mariners acquired him, perhaps. I think one of the big differences is that Nelly has much better plate discipline and always did. Um, and also Nelson Cruz was a better power hitter than Teoscar was. You know, Cruz was hitting 35 and 40 homers and Teoscar's merely hitting 20 to 25 homers a season. Um, so I feel like there's a big difference in profile there. Another thing is that Teoscar, which we haven't mentioned yet, has not played 150 games yet in a season. He's usually around the 130 range. So it seems like he's not able to stay as healthy as Nelly often was. You know, Nelly was just kind of steady Eddie, just always, you know, plugging along, getting his ABs and hitting tons of dingers uh, at the <laughs> DH spot. So I, I think that I think Nelson Cruz is a unicorn. And I don't know if we will ever see a player like him again that just like explodes onto the scene late in his career and just like defies father time for forever. Um I, I worry about how Teoscar's skill set will age um, as he gets deeper into his 30s, specifically because his plate, his plate discipline is already pretty shitty. But the Mariners may not have to worry about that if they only have him for a year or two. So I guess that's my answer to that question. I think it's... So I think it's two things that separate them. Um, well, the third being that Nelson Cruz is a unicorn and like the latest bloomer. Um, I think that there are two main, you know, kind of characteristics that, that separate them. One being, I think it's less plate discipline and more when that pitch is identified or, or not, um, missing, you know, just whiffing. Uh, I think, you know, there's a correlation between strikeout percentage and, and power. So like pretty much all power hitters have swing and miss in their game. Um, part of what makes Nelson Cruz special is that uh, he has insane power and, you know, his swing and misses, um, you know, it, it's, it's not, uh, it's not insignificant, but it's not like Joey Gallo. Um, Teoscar Hernandez is, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit worse. Um, it, like, even if you just, um, let's see, look at pitches in the zone, uh, Cruz is a career in the Statcast era, seventy-eight percent zone contact. Hernandez is seventy-four, so it's like not the most. But if like you looked at a list of players, that would separate them by a lot. Um, so you know it's it's that, and also when they get their bat on the ball, Nelson Cruz is just you know a, a step higher, a tier higher. Um, and he walks a little bit more, so which, you know, has to do with the swing and miss. Um, so I would say those are the two things, but I, I don't think it's a bad comp, um, you know, because they are similar skill sets. Um, they're just not you or identical players. Um, I kind of wonder if, if Fernandez would pull the ball more if uh, he would turn into, 
even more of a monster. Anyways, that's that's my take. Teoscar's also faster than Cruz was. Now, yeah, Cruz yeah. did steal the occasional base, but Teoscar, like, could get, like, 10 stolen bases in a season. He had 12 in 2021. He had 32 homers and 12 steals. <laughs> so, you know, I think he's more of a stolen base threat. I don't know how how that's aging. You know, he's only getting older. His legs are only getting older. Mm. Um, I don't know if he'll steal double digits again, but I think he's got a little bit more speed in his game. Like, I don't really know if the Mariners are going to pinch run for him. Um, yeah the way that they would have with with nelly yeah. so that's another pot that's a positive that he has over cruz i would say yeah good runner just i think the probably the stop and start isn't great and maybe not the like uh timing or instincts because i think he's right. projected for like six stolen bases um so not a huge feature of his game but maybe 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 it helps i have a question for you before we go yeah go for it what do you think about Glaber Torres? <laughs> <laughs> You're sick in the head, King. Uh... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I don't really think about Glaber Torres, but let me pull up this page. <laughs> I mean, oh dear. I think uh, I actually don't know if he played. How much? Wow, he's actually projected for three and a half wins. Like... Oh, he played mostly second base. And even though his se- his defense isn't that good by OAA, it is by DRS and UZR, which probably means that you can deploy him in a way that his defense is plus. Okay. And a decent Here's bat, he's 25. Why would the Yankees trade him? Um... Yankees fans hate him. <laughs> uh, yeah, they also hate Josh Donaldson, though, and they've already agreed that they're going to keep him for next year for some fucking reason. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, that's a super good question because they're dying for Jesse Winker and Dylan Moore. <laughs> <laughs> you receive Zach Deloach and Chris Flexen. <laughs> I receive Labor Torres. <laughs> And a first round pick. <laughs> and, and and Aaron Judge after you sign him. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Well, no, they probably don't want to get super old. But, like, how was DJ LeMayhew? Was he really bad? No, he was three-war player. He's projected to be on the bench right now. All right, give us DJ LeMayhew. I just, well, that's probably more likely. Nah, I, don't I just don't him. think the Yankees can afford to get any older. Um, I think Labor is, like, one of the few young good players they yeah. have. And I think that... It's only possible if the Mariners were offering something just as young and exciting. And no, I don't mean Jared Kelnick. Um, <laughs> it's pretty young. I'm thinking along. I'm thinking like Logan Gilbert, which I don't think the Mariners would do, but that's who they'd ask for. Um, Gross for that kind of player. Like, cause the Yankee, I mean, Yankees media would pound the Yankees into the ground if they gave up labor <laughs> Torres for anything less than that. So, I don't think it's happening, but I, I like where your head's at, Mikey. <laughs> You're not going to bully me like I bullied you for, uh, what was it? Not Sam Hilliard, the other Rockies guy. Oh, uh, Brennan Rogers. Yeah. No. I still think that's in play. I think it's I fine. I just don't want that to be the plan. Well, I, I certainly hope not now that they've already uh, done their done their trade and seemingly have budget room. Mm. I don't. I don't know. 
if I'll be satisfied with anything, anything less than a splurge uh, middle infield, but I'll you know, be sl- I guess we'll satisfied by anything more than a splurge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good on God. that note, <laughs> I'm Anders Jorstad, and you can find me on Twitter at Anders Jorstad. You can find Mikey on Twitter at underscore Kuya Mikey, and you can find our good friend Evan at Evan James Audio. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can support the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash neversunny in Seattle. Thanks for listening, and go Mariners!